Lord, can you just come and settle hearts this morning? And Lord, I ask that you prepare it just to hear what you have to say this morning, Lord. And thank you that we know it's not of ourselves. And I ask, Lord, that every heart in this place, including my own, will be obedient to what your Spirit has to say this morning. And Lord, I ask that you would, um, that you would strengthen us, that give us wisdom, that you would take off the flaps from our eyes, that we would be able to see left, right, wherever you're leading us, Jesus. Oh, Lord. I've, I've even just prayed against the spirit of intimidation in this time, Lord, to speak the truth as you want it this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, yeah. Hello, Amal. Okay. So, um, as we were singing that song, um, Yahweh, Holy is Your Name, I was just reminded that we cannot comprehend the holiness of God. It's, uh, we can only, we can aim for it, we can strive for it, and, and that's what our, our life and our journey is, is to, to constant sanctification, and um, it's just getting out the darkness and filling a room with light. I think we've all heard the, the practical example of you can't go into a light room and switch on the darkness, you can only switch the light on in a dark room, and it's like that with God, and so as he does that, the darkness flees. It, it has to find the nearest, doesn't even need a window or a door. It finds the nearest crack in the wall and it needs to get out of that room because the light has been switched on. And that's, I think, what God is doing in all of us constantly. And um, this week, I, as I was preparing, I, was, I, I really felt so aware of the fact that we are so not worthy of anything that God has done for us. And as we read Paul's letters um, in the New Testament, it's funny how I think Paul, um, <laughs> he starts, he's an apostle. And I learned this for all the Afrikaans people. Apparently, you don't say apostle, it's apostle. So I learned that this week. Um, so the apostle Paul, oh, I put it in there. But anyway, he, thank you, Martin, it. So we. <laughs> We see that he starts, he's, he's an apostle, and, but he starts introducing himself as I, Paul, a fellow elder in the Lord. And already he's saying, like, I'm just another elder. It's like, I'm just doing the, the God's work in this place. And you see, further in his process of ministry, he starts introducing himself as Paul, um, a servant of the Lord. And he demotes himself a little bit, well, elder is a servant, but you know what I mean. And he ends up finally introducing himself or, or, or referring to himself as a sinner of sinners. And someone who's made such progress in his ministry and, and reached so many places. How is it that you, you become, the closer you get to the light, the more you are so aware of the darkness that is inside of you. And, and that's what God did for Paul. And I, I trust that, that every heart this morning would be prepared to know that the more we get close to Jesus, the more we have to see the darkness inside of ourselves, and he wants to get it all out this morning. Well, probably not at all. It's always a, a, bit, a little bit left, but get a lot of it out this morning. I've said with a lot of people over the last three years, there's been a lot of sanctification, and we are so quick to, to congratulate ourselves, pat ourselves on the, on the, on the back, hey? like, yes, I, I gave up this bad habit or that, and yes, God, you, and it's good. I mean, it is amazing, but then it's like the moment you start relaxing and saying, oh, I'm the Christian that the Bible writes about. Then God's like, hold up, hold up, hold up, come back. I've got another thing. And, um, and it's awesome because uh, 
we would be very quick to, to settle down and be okay with the, where we are. Um, and we see oftentimes in the Bible, and this is what I'm hoping that God will do this morning, we see the words, people asking whoever ministered, saying, what shall we do? What will we do now? Now the Holy Spirit's really cut to our hearts, so what must we do now? And I'm hoping it's going to be a morning like that. This is going to be short, and it's going to be not half of the work that God wants to do this morning. I believe the response is going to be what, God, what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning. And so prepare yourself for a response, because we're not going to say amen and leave this place this morning. There, there needs to be a response this morning. So, and yeah, um, this, this time around, it, I felt it so heavy on my heart, so it feels like my notes are just all over the place, but just bear with me. And Trevor, where are you sitting at? He's going to tell me if I'm speaking too fast. Thank you, Trevor. <laughs> Um, so Benny's been sharing for the last two weeks about, the, about taking our inheritance, the inheritance that we have as a congregation in this town, and, um, and just how God wants to stretch our tents. And, and we've had amazing words that tied in perfectly with that thing of just God is going to grow us. And, sort of, and I think Benny's been quite gracious to, pre- to start off, help us prepare for what's about to happen here so we're not too shaken when it does. And so if you don't know it yet, things are going to be changing this year. A lot of things will be changed in ourselves as individuals because God is gracious enough to prepare us in seasons of change, almost as if he gives us a bit of a head start saying, I need to change something in you first to prepare you for the change that's about to happen. And um, he wants to take this down by storm. And this weekend, um, John mentioned our elders are at Provence. And so if anyone ever hears about the farm, about Provence, about Wellington, and those who don't know, the context is there's a farm that the church owns and it's sort of a retreat, if you will, that we go to, um, sometimes for a camp, sometimes the elders go there. And this time around, they're there to just receive vision and direction for the year. And um, I hope um, a lot of you have joined me in this week just praying for that, because I know our eldership team need that vision, and they need that direction, because there's big stuff ahead. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I don't know what, uh, what Andrew's telling them this weekend. None of us do yet. I'm still, sure we'll hear soon. But it's big, and, it's, and, it's, and it needs all of us, hands on deck. Um, so, yeah. I have a question quickly, just out of interest, so we get to know each other a little bit better. Do we have any people that are gardeners in this place? Um, or enjoys gardening? Thank you, Tano. Your mom must love you. There we go. It doesn't have to be by trade. And don't point to Pietrus. He will tell you he's a landscaper, not a gardener. Pietrus. Livio. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I, I did a bit of research because I don't actually remember. We've heard of a lot of gardens, especially Eden, and we never, I've never heard the word gardener in Scripture. I was like, did people just, did it only recently become a thing that you get paid to? And then I had to just go and look it up. And so there's only one reference made to a gardener in the whole of the, of the Bible, and that's uh, the one time where Mary Magdalene mistook Jesus for being a gardener when she found the empty grave. And she's like, sorry to disturb you, gardener. <laughs> I'm looking for the man who was in here. And he's like, it's me. So, so it was the man who invented gardening, actually. So that's where you find it in Scripture. But um, this morning, um, I want to share something with you that a few of you got a head start on. About six months ago, God shared with me a vision. And we all have our, our times of day or our thing that we know God speaks to us during these times or when we're doing this thing. And the weirdest thing, mine's in the shower. God's always talking to me in the shower. So this was one of... Also, do you <laughs> so uh, needless to say, I'm always super clean because I'm always going there for... Um, 
But God gave me a, um, something which, uh, that, that I had to write down immediately because I, I knew that this was something that he wants. It was on a heart for our congregation. Um, but at the time, it wasn't the right season. We went to 412, and he, a lot of stuff just simmered in our hearts. And, and I, I believe the time is now right as we enter this year for this. So I don't want to get it wrong. Um, so I'm going to read it because I wrote it down at the time, and then I want to go a bit further into it. Um, some of you will remember it. Okay. The Lord showed me three men, each resembling people that we all know. The first man I saw was a wealthy man, a hobbyist gardener, who did so in his free time. He was not interested in gardening in general, per se, but very much keen on a beautiful front garden of his own, one that would be pleasing to his eyes and wouldn't fail to impress onlookers either. He was willing to look long to work long and hard to make his dream happen in this garden, and even more willing to take all the credit and glory for it. No one outside of his walls could come in and truly appreciate his garden without inviting, without invitation, and no one could share in the fruits of his labor. Only him, and he was happy with that. This is the man that is building his own kingdom. The second man I saw was a gardener by trade. Gardening is what his father did and his father's father and it's what he does best. And I saw the smile on his face and the satisfaction in his eyes with every freshly pruned hedge and with every stone laid. He was good at following instructions because that is what kept him motivated and what kept him busy following his employer's dream. What's more is that he worked in the gardens of a few people, supplying much beauty and joy. But every night he returns home, exhausted and empty, to the site of his own decaying garden. He's so busy laboring that the dream of a beautiful garden never became his own. This is the man who's building another man's kingdom. And finally, the third man I saw was a son in his father's house. He tended to his father's garden, shaping and building and beautifying and changing it according to his father's desire. It not only gave him his father joy, but also him, because his father's garden was also the garden where he himself rested. He was willing to work long, hard hours because his father takes care of his every need. And the credit and glory for this magnificent work was his father's, but it gave him such joy to have been used for this purpose. His reward was not merely in the self-enjoyment of this garden, as it wasn't his, but his father's. The reward also wasn't in the payment because there was none. The reward was somewhat in sharing this garden with strangers, friends, and family, but mostly it was that his father was pleased. The fruit of his labor was his father's joy. And this is the man that is building the kingdom of God. Now, we, as I read through these three people, you probably already placed yourself in one of those categories. And it's quite obvious which is the right one. But before we do that, maybe I just want to go through one or two things. And, and let's see. Let, let God decide. And let him put us in one of those boxes this morning. And hopefully we can all leave this morning being that third person. Matthew 6. We all know this one. Um, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And we all know this like a childhood poem or a nursery rhyme. We don't even think about it when we say it. It's just, there's your answer, Father. We all had, somewhere had a grandma with a crocheted or knitted one on their wall. I don't know what you call those. What do you call those hung matter? Hey, we saw it like we woke up and we saw the words in front of us. That, well, that was me. Um, but are we really hearing what, we, what, what we're praying here? We're saying, thy kingdom come and your will be done. We are saying, Lord, let your kingdom 
which is your way, be established among us in this place. And we're saying, whatever it is that you want done, do it. Do you know what you're praying? Whatever you want to do, Lord, do it. Except sometimes I might not help you out. That's what we're saying sometimes. So this is a new year. Um, are there any parents of grade ones that's going to the school for, to school for the first time this morning? I believe it's... No one? No one? Mila? Niemand? Okay. <laughs> it's super exciting for everyone. And no matter what new grade they're going to, if you're starting a new job, if you're going back to your old job, there's a lot of new starts this year. I'm sure if you work in sales, your boss probably asked for some sort of sales commitment for the year. What are you going to bring home in a month? Just... They want, everyone wants your commitment and your devotion in certain fields. You're looking at your Strava app and you're like, this year I want to run so many thousand kilometers and I want to lose 10 kilograms and I want to drink eight cups of water a day and I want to, whatever it is, read 10 books. That for me is a very long shot. Um, of the Bible, maybe. No, I don't know about the others. Um, but we all are committing to some sort of thing and, and sometimes I wonder, these things are healthy, but what kingdom value does it have? Are we doing God's work? I mean, it's, we actually need it, I know, for sanity's sake. But how much of our time are going into these things? And um, we, there's a, a, a secular saying which I, I kind of agree with. It says, failing to plan is planning to fail. But I want to bring some of Solomon's perspective on this. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And when God gave me this vision, I was so overwhelmed with, with burden, not uh, per normal for necessarily for the whole congregation or for those people or that people, but starting with myself. I was filled with burden for myself, and then it went out in sort of concentric circles, knowing that it's so quickly, living in a, in a culture, a secular culture, it's so quickly to step out of the stream of God's will and just become part of it. And we, and we sometimes have all sorts of ways to, to justify it with Scripture, um, What's that? I, I, in Noah's absence, with his first Sunday not here, one of the, my favorite things I ever heard him say was, um, what? I can do all things through a scripture quoted out of context. <laughs> and we, we find scripture to back up all these um, this misquoted uh, ideas in our mind. But actually, um, we're just not kingdom focused half the time. And I think God wants to prepare our hearts because he understands that there's going to be sacrifices this year. and There's going to be decisions this year that's going to require you to be kingdom-centered. And, um, and I think he's been gracious in, in, um, in preparing us for those things. And because we're in a consumer culture, we, there's so much to hear and to see and to feel and to smell every single day. That's all we want. We want new information. And, and there's 2,000, 5,000, whatever your old truths, depending on what book you're reading, that's been the same from that time till now. But we're always looking for new information. The new greatest teacher on the block. I don't know if, you ever, if you've ever had the experience where you have a specific opinion about a certain preacher and then someone mentions it in a conversation and you just try to smile, but you know, like, oh, my word, we need to pray for this guy's doctrine. Um, I had one of those experiences recently. Because there's so many people who have an idea because they're starting to mix up world culture and kingdom culture, and they're trying to make it palatable. So my heart is that it would never sit easy when, I'm, when I've got the microphone. Because then I'm just saying what, what you want to hear. Um, so if anyone leaves and they're not challenged, I'm so sorry about that. Um, so this morning, um, is there anyone from George or Acha from George? 
Anyone from Joburg in this place? Or Pretoria, Cape Town, one of the big cities, Durban, anyone? That's, even if it's, you've been here for 50 years, just who comes from a big city? Okay, awesome. <laughs> so I've got a good audience this morning. So um, we come from Cape Town, which is not as bad as Joburg, so let's use Joburg for this example. Um, <laughs> but let's draw a parallel for a second. And we come to this place, uh, for those who didn't know, Otaniqua, if, I, if I'm not... If I don't have the facts wrong, Otaniqua actually means honey. It's a Khoisan word for honey. So literally, it's the land of milk and honey. Sometimes, like, we are so, like, we just completely forget what we have here. And when you think back of, of where we come from, sometimes it's, it's worlds apart. It doesn't, it's, it's completely separated. You can't imagine. We get people, they come here on holiday, and they're like, what is this place? And there's people that actually live here the whole year. Wow. And, and, and we quickly become spoiled um, with that. And I just wanted to draw a parallel between that. I mean, I really don't go to Joburg unless I'm paid, which most of the time is for my work, which pays me, so I have to. But, um, so technically. But there's two things. The first thing is, when I go to Joburg, sorry, let's start here. When I'm in George and I hear about something that happened in Joburg, a great example. <laughs> Someone has a tiger at their small holding in Joburg, and that thing escaped this week. Did you know that? In Joburg. And he was just roaming the streets. Okay. Was I worried about that tiger in George? I, I wasn't, not for a second. Um, even when it's stuff that's a bit more tragic. I, I remember a few years ago there were uh, massive uh, floods in Tembisa, just outside Kempton Park. We, heard, we read about it in the news, whatever. You felt for those people, but you weren't concerned because it didn't affect you really. True? And the second thing is, when I go to Joburg... Who's recently been to Joburg? Because I want you to, to entertain me for a second. You don't walk into Lanseria. Oh, no, from here we only fly to Aratambo. So you don't walk into that place and you start walking up to people saying, listen, yeah, but you know, you're earnest in this. <laughs> like, listen, man, you really shouldn't work 16 hours a day. It's not healthy for you. There where I come from in Georgia, it's a whole different. And then the next person you go to is like, ach, as you can, probeer net onder 140 doen op jou highway. Ons goed wees. And you go to the next guy, listen, home invasion. You probably should stop doing that. It's, it's not good. Um, you don't go to Joburg trying to change Joburg. If anyone here can honestly tell me they've marched there trying to change it, you are very brave or, or hopeful. You don't go to Joburg. We don't go to another kingdom trying to change it. What we do do is we walk into a place and we tell them about the kingdom we're from. Wow. We don't get lost in a world. We don't start doing what they do. And we also don't, don't try to change it. I want to read something. Um, speaking to the Father about his disciples in John 17, Jesus says, They're not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, so I have sent them into this world. When I go to Johannesburg, it's because I was sent, not necessarily because I had a choice in it. But I do know when I get there, there's an expectation that, first of all, I'm not going to start fighting a battle which is not mine to fight. Our, our fight is not against flesh. Um, and, and by the way, I'm not saying Joburg is evil. I'm drawing a parallel here. <laughs> Although, um, okay. So that's the, that's the first thing. We are temporarily here on an assignment, even in George being in the world. Okay. Um, so when we talk about the world 
culture, secular culture. What we often, um, yes, Hein said something so profound, and I've told so many people about this the last while because it really stuck with me. Around November, we had one of those famous prayer meetings downstairs, and he said something which really gripped me. He said, we're so consumed sometimes with not falling into sin that we sometimes allow compromise. It's not sin, but it's compromise. And compromise does lead to sin eventually. And it's such a powerful thing, even with the compromises. So sometimes we look at Scripture and we say, Oh, man, I'm not committing adultery. I'm doing all right. Okay, are you looking? Jesus said, okay, you've got the Ten Commandments. Are you looking at a woman with lust? Okay, you're committing adultery. Jesus said, don't compromise. That's exactly what that scripture says. And um, so I want to read from 2 Timothy 3. Um, and I want to highlight a specific three or four of these points. And I want us to reflect on that for a moment. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Not only does he say, don't be those people. He takes it a step further. He says, don't even associate with those people. Avoid such people. But I think oftentimes we catch ourselves being those people. Um, Chad has a cool, <laughs> a cool thing I always like. I never, I, I never thought about it as you said it, and then I'm like, I, I like that. We come to this place. We've been here before. We were the Joe Burgers, and then we came here, and we're like, we're going to live in the land of milk and honey. And then what we do is we, we come into the state of holiday. I don't, some, of, some of the faces I see I know for a fact work extremely hard. It's not, you're not actually on holiday, but there's a certain thing that changes in you. There's this, this mindset of I've come to this place just to, to just enjoy life a little bit, just to come and just settle down a little bit. I've got kids. I'm still working, but I just want to take a step back or take it a notch down a little bit. And this die out Rus. So let's Q20 that. Um, <laughs> but now let's look at that scripture for a second. Um, I specifically want to highlight three or four of those things, which are, in my opinion, wouldn't be sin necessarily, but it's definitely compromising. The first thing, lovers of self. Go to your camera roll. How many selfies do you have? I can say that because my photos are of my dogs. Um, lovers of self. Uh, it's funny, um, um, Mike Davies recently made, made a comment which I'm like, I felt so guilty. I'm like, oh my word, caught red-handed. So he said, like seriously, when you're in a group picture, tell me any person here who, has, who does not look for themselves first just to make sure you're all right. <laughs> hmm? <gasps> Were my eyes at least open? Was I smiling? Hmm? Lovers of self. Lovers of I'm speaking to myself too. <clears throat> Lovers of money. And maybe not just money. If, if you disqualify, um, if, if you exempt your, yourself from that statement immediately because you're not rich, think again. If, that's money. It's still wealth. It's, I, want, I just want a comfortable lifestyle. I'm working so hard, but okay. You still have two cars and a nice house. Technically, you don't really need to work that hard. You're choosing to maintain that lifestyle and neglecting the kingdom for that. Um, lovers of money. Without self-control is the next one I want to highlight. So that was one of the more recent things I had to work on. Um, not uh, more a uh, thing of being impulsive. 
but self-control. Are we, are, we in, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to be in control of our hearts? The heart is deceitful above all else. Is our heart leading us, or are we leading our hearts? Is God leading our hearts? That's a big one in this, in, in this culture. Lovers of pleasure, and I think here we're touching right on the wound, eh, in George. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And finally, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. So when I read that last verse, verse 5, denying its power, you immediately th- you're thinking of someone that says, standing there saying God's not um, godliness, uh, appearance of godliness but denying its power. Someone says, yeah, it's not powerful. That's not what it is. It's someone that's life says. I, I'm not invested enough in this. I'm, I'm not so convinced of the power of the kingdom of God that I'm willing to put everything into it. It's just too much of a risk. All our investors here, don't put your eggs in one basket. Hey, so I'm not going to put everything in that because I'm not, I'm not going to give up my whole life. I'm not going to sacrifice everything because I'm not entirely convinced it's worth it. I'm denying its power. Um, and then it says, avoid such people. And not only do we see it around ourselves, and I'll speak for myself, is I find those things in myself sometimes. Oftentimes I catch myself and I'm reminded of this scripture. And someone recently spoke to me about how a mess of the world is currently. And, to, and, and I said, just read this, read the scripture. It shouldn't surprise you. And don't go to Joburg and try to change it. We can't change it. We have to get as many people out of that place as possible. And now I'm definitely speaking metaphorically. Let's keep it small in George. Um, <laughs> Um, we do see it in ourselves. I want to read um, from Isaiah as well, chapter 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So we get caught up in these sayings sometimes. I just want to have some me time. I think I deserve it. Obviously, someone says, and then they start to Christianify it a bit for you. They say, my family and I are going to go on a hike this weekend um, just to enjoy God's creation. That's what we're going to... And it's like, okay, but that hike is kind of falling on the, on the conference, which is a very key time for the kingdom right now. It's like, but the family, hey? And then you, you say something like, let's go appreciate God's creation too. And that's, once again, I'm speaking to all of us. So when we know this, that God is moving, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm imagining the 40 years of traveling through the desert. <laughs> what a scary thing that must have been. One day, someone just says, right, we're going to our next destination. We'll be traveling for three days. And you slept in a little bit. Next thing, it's just you and sand. <laughs> that's, that's what you're doing when you're missing key times of the kingdom advancing. And you have to catch up. Hope the tracks aren't blown over yet. That's exactly what happens. And for those who couldn't make it to 412 for very real reasons, I, uh, Alicia herself couldn't make it. And she's very sad about that. But have you had catching up to do? She's had catching up to do. And I'm sure those who weren't there had a lot of catching up to do. And you don't want to be running behind the whole time. Then you're going to, because every time God does something in the kingdom, it's now. So by the time you get to it, this gisteren is, this obroot. And that's why these times are so special. And I'm so glad John really highlighted it this morning. Something like, like that Southern Cape Conference. Um, Andrew Silly, who we, who we, um, have as an apostolic oversight and input into, into this church and the partnership of churches. He's going to be there that day on Saturday, and he's going to visit us that morning on Sunday as well at this congregation. 
It's, it's big stuff that's coming. Like it's now stuff that's happening. If you can't rock up on Monday or go to community the next Wednesday and catch up quickly, it's just you missed it. And, um, and that's, um, yeah, it's very interesting. I'll get to you another thing that I wanted to share about that just now. But when God's moving, he needs all our hands on deck. Matthew 8, 21 says, One of his disciples, another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. I mean, how do you tell a person, that's what Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. I've got work for you to do. And, uh, and he didn't force the guy to come with him. He gave him a choice there. But he said, Either you, can go, you can go bury your dad, but I'm not waiting for you. I'm leaving. We're advancing. He says that if his priorities were straight, his responsibilities at home would take second place. Who, I don't know who knows who Stefan van Sale is. He reminds me a bit of Joe Black. Groot eh? Bart. Um, he's an elder in our Josh Jen uh, Mossel Bay congregation, and he, um, I, I enjoy listening to preachers as a, um, as a hobby, really. I just have them on permanently, which doesn't make it easier for me, because then when I get up here, I'm like, oh my word, this sucks. So I'm always listening to the guys that are like way there. Anyway, so Stefan is one of those guys. Like, he always speaks to me directly. And um, he did a preach last Sunday. Go and do yourself a favor. The preach is called I Don't Have Time. And he spoke about that thing of, I don't have time. Um, it, was, it was so powerful because essentially what the whole thing was about was, was what, what you, how you position things in your life, those items. And he actually told them, you're lying. If you say you don't have time for something, you, you're actually lying. You have time for everything. You literally have time for anything you want to do. So can we just let that sit for a second? So what is it then? And he said, let's just be honest next time. I'm not telling you to change your whole life. At least just be honest about what you're, what's really happening. If someone asks you to do something, just tell them it's not a priority for me. Because that's really what it is, isn't it? It's like there's a list, and there might be 10 items on those lists, and there might be 50 items on those lists. But actually, it's just, uh, it's not. A, and sometimes it's going to be very real. Um, one of the youthies asked me last night, after, uh, Friday night, after youth, can, we, can I go watch? Because I always tell them I'd love to watch your sport games, whatever, and I do. Um, but this guy's like, 2 o'clock, Thursday, see you there. I'm like, 2 o'clock, Thursday, I'm working. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but thanks for asking me. <laughs> so sometimes it's very real. We have responsibilities, and I had to say, what, what was I saying? It's not a priority in the light of work. I have to work. So it is okay to say that, but are we willing to say it when someone says, hey, man, hey, I know it's your anniversary. Are you going to be at community? Just say it. No. I prioritize this time with my wife right now. And I think that's acceptable. But when it comes to things like something you do 50 times a year, it's like, can't you just do it next weekend? Ah, oh, but the weather is so good that weekend. And then it's like, okay, then really just at least be honest and say, and then let God do some searching. Because he does. He's already searched your heart. You must just grapple with the fact that right now it's not a priority. And that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping for an adjustment this morning. Um, Nikki had a prophetic word recently about the, uh, um, that matrix thing, about God taking the sternum and moving it aside so he can do some deep work in our hearts. And that's part of that work. It's getting our priorities right. Um, another guy, um, Rian, who's an elder in Cape Town, um, Jacobs, he, he said also something that was very cool. I, I'm sure um, some of you guys will remember it. He said, if you're going to start listing priorities, you can't say it's going to be God first and then my wife and then the church and then my kids. And you can't, you can't, God can't be first on that list. He said, if God's first on the list, it means at some point you're going to make a check mark ne- next to it and just move on. God can't be number one. He said, it's 
God in your family. It's God in your marriage. It's God in your work. God in, so God needs to be in everything. He can't be number one, because then at some point you're going to say, I think I did what I had to do, and I'm moving on. So God can't have a, a position. He needs to encompass your whole everything. That's just how it needs to be. So what is that? Because it sounds very nice to say it, goals. But how does it look out? How does it play out in practice? How does it look? Is God part of your decision making? I say, Vicky, oh, man, I feel like we need to move. I'm like that, at least not with towns. It's more like furniture in the house. Um, <laughs> but when you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't think George has much for us, much for us anymore, or whatever. Are you, it's your first thing to go and consult with God about this. That's where priorities come in. It's to say, God, are you in this decision making? I want to pick a school for my children. I want to decide, are they going to this school, that school, home school, small group school? I don't know all the kind of schools there are, so many. Are you asking God about it? And that's where it comes in with God being actually homeschool overlach. But is God part of that decision making? Are you actually asking God about it? And are you asking in a way that you're expecting an answer? He's saying, God, give me a sign, and then you hear the traffic light alarm going off because the pedestrians can now cross you like, that's it? I'm sending my kids to, I don't know what school's name is, Glenwood. Wait on the Lord. Have faith that God will speak to you. In your quiet time, wait for him. Wait for him. He will speak to you. It's a cheap shot standing in front of a train station and saying, if this thing blows its uta, I know it's God. And then if, if it blows it's like, right, thanks, I've got my sign. Just wait on the Lord and make him part of every part of your life when you make those decisions. So there's three things that people often quote about the areas of our life that we most often do very well, most of us not. And including me, and, and, or, you, or you just drop the ball very often. And that's those three T's, your time, your treasure, and your talents. And that's the kind of things that God want to work, wants to work in this morning. What's taking up your time? How important is money to, um, to you? If you're making a lot of money, how are you using it? Is it building kingdom? And finally, talents. What are you using your energy on? Do you want to set a PB every week? I just say that because I've never done it. I would probably also get into it if I did. But, um, yeah, what is your, where are you pushing all of that energy into? Um, so let's just think about these three people for a second. And, and I really just, I, I want to take a pause for God to speak to us about this for a second. Yeah, Holy Spirit, would you just minister as... As we just take a pause and, and allow for you to speak to us, you just come and show us, Lord, which, which kingdom we're building this morning. We all are building a kingdom. And God, I know I don't want to get my hands dirty in my own garden. Jesus, would you just soften hearts right now and speak truth into our lives? So maybe you, this morning, identify as the first person. It's someone who loves an impressive lifestyle. We're not at, at the re response yet, but maybe just some, some things to identify that. It's someone who likes an impressive lifestyle. You're willing to work a lot of hours, plow that into your business, or you like enjoying uh, taking credit for the things that you, that you do well, or 
um, your family. Everything goes around your family and the benefit of if your family, but not the greater body. And there's very little room often for others to enter. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And in Luke 6, he said, he lifted his eyes on his disciples and he said, blessed is you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And the analytical person I am, I did the math. A camel is roughly 240 times larger than the eyes, a, needle of, a needle's eye. So let's talk about the odds of, of, of getting into heaven when you've got great wealth. And then the second person, and these are mostly us who've grown up in a Christian home, grown up in the church. We know, we know how to do the church thing. And most of the time, it's not even a thing of pretending. We've become into, a, into this lifestyle of just running, 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 pushing, doing. And um, I've spoken to many people, and it's, it's actually scriptural where it says um, it's more blessed to, to give than to receive. And it's true. And you get a lot of your... Um, of your excitement and your pleasure out of doing, doing, doing. Elders say, um, please, you say yes, which is also good, but everything you do is it's functional. You're just running. And when the day is finished and we go home after this meeting or Wednesday night after community, you go back home and you realize, my life in actual fact is falling significantly short of this um, benchmark that I've helped create in this kingdom culture. I'm stepping in, and I'm stepping out of it again. In Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And the same thing that I, that I shared on the last time we did, where it spoke um, to the churches, where we spoke about the first love, and it says, you've toiled, um, you've endured patiently, you've done everything that I've asked you to do, but your love wasn't there. And that's about revelation. You're just doing it out of function. You, you're building another man's dream. And I believe God wants to, I know with our youth this year, he, wants, he gave us the word that he wants to reignite passion. Do you have passion inside of yourself? Do you, know what, what, do you know that you're building this kingdom and not the one at home? And, um, yeah, if you don't have a fresh revelation of your own, you can't love Jesus the way he wants you to. Because you're too, it's, it's actually a cliche old saying that I've heard, and it's very good. You are so busy with the things of God that you forget about the God of the things. And, and how often does that really happen? We become so functional. I asked our gardener, and it's, it's very coincidental that it is a gardener, <laughs> staying with the theme. So we got a new gardener, Olani, cool guy. I picked him up in First Street. Always a risky business to do that, but he turns out to be quite a cool guy. Um, I asked him on the first day he came to work for me, I said, um, I said do, you know, do you believe in Jesus? Um, I mean, you have to. If I don't see this guy again, at least I, I tried, hey. And he answered me with a straight face. Like, he wasn't even trying to be clever. I said, do you know Jesus? And he said to me, many Ach, do you believe, Jesus? Uh, believe in Jesus? And he told me, many people believe in Jesus. And he said, I know Jesus personally. He's my friend. And I was like, phew, do you want to come preach on Sunday? I, I just ask him. I'm like, you're speaking some truth here. Hey? Many people believe in Jesus. I know Jesus existed. And it's that thing of denying its power. I know the truth. I'm just not sure it's to that extent that it has to be important in my life. Um, and I, as I, yeah, I just started to draw to a close, I was um, speaking to someone this week, and as I was speaking to them, I just had this 
um, the Holy Spirit was ministering to me on this, and I think this is a great sign of where you're at. Um, we, um, as most of you can see, I'm a massive introvert, and um, it's not true, I'm extrovert. Um, but then an, in, an extrovert needs people. This is very refreshing for me. Like, I go back home, and then I'm like, where are the people at? Hey? And then an introvert needs to take down time to, to refresh and get rejuvenated. And I just had such a sense that if you want to know in which kingdom you're living, which one is the one that's energizing you? If you need to step away after laboring hard in the kingdom for a few weeks and to rest, you're not doing it right. If I go to, I know when I go to Johannesburg, and this is, this is the other thing, if it's, if it's too comfortable, if you live, um, if you work especially in a big corporate company, if it's too comfortable going to Joburg, metaphorically speaking, and you I know when I go to Joburg, like within two minutes, my Uber hasn't even stopped at the airport yet, and I'm like, I'm ready to go back home. If you're super comfortable in a, in a, in a culture which is outside kingdom culture, and this is the place where you get restored, you're, you, you're building the wrong kingdom. If, if you're in this kingdom, it'll, this will restore you. You will find, Psalm 23 says it beautifully, this will refresh you. And so this morning, if you have to find yourself in a place where you often have to say, I need to take a break, and I'm not saying taking off a Sunday, that's not what I'm talking about, but if you often find yourself being stickened after just running hard, you have to ask God to say, God, pick me up and put me back in your kingdom where I once was. Um, I know it's been going on for a while now, and I do feel... Um, yeah, I just want to draw this to a close now. I, I went, I, I saw there was this, um, I went to a church many years ago, and they sold passports, and I'm like, I know sometimes you have to make some extra money, but this can't be legal. Um, <laughs> and it turned out to be a passport uh, saying you're a citizen of heaven, and I thought that was pretty cute. Um, but tacky maybe <laughs> it was like a deep maroon color like the british passport um but are we citizens of heaven this morning are we visitors to this place as jesus said in that scripture i've sent them are you sent or are you are you a resident of this world this morning and i think when we do speak about the kingdom of, of god we we often think about heaven we think about when we die and we go to heaven the kingdom of god is right here in fact that's what we ask for in the lord's prayer we say let your kingdom come here this is the kingdom um, yeah, so let me just finish off with one or two scriptures. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Luke 17, that's what I just spoke about. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And I think he wants to ask us this morning, are we laboring for the kingdom of heaven or for his kingdom? So, yeah, I just want to, before, before we, uh, I hand over to John, I just want to, yeah, say, Jesus, as we just, um, yeah, maybe the muses can come up if you don't mind, because I, I do feel there's, you know, there's a response this morning. God, won't you just enter this place right now and, and help us be brutally honest with ourselves? God, we understand that if we, get into this race of what's ahead this year. And we are not equipped for it. 
we're not equipped for kingdom life, that we will become tired, exhausted, and we'll lose our joy so quickly. Lord, I ask that this morning, just like a GPS needs a current location to actually tell you where to drive, that you would show us our current location. We don't know where you want to go if we don't know where we're starting. And Lord, I ask that you would show us that this morning, God. Show us if we are the person that's, that's building our own kingdom, that it's all about me and my little family. And yes, I come to church on a Sunday, but shouldn't we? Or, or Lord, maybe if I'm the second person where I know who you are, I believe in you, I follow you, I labor in your kingdom, but there's moments where I actually step outside of the kingdom to go back into my own because it's just so far separated. Lord, won't you show us this morning what it means to be that third person? To be a son in our Father's house is building the kingdom of God and doing it according to your desire. Where it will give us such joy to bring you joy. Yeah, Lord, show us what it means to seek first your kingdom. And Lord, we understand that there's a lot of work to be done, Lord, and we want to be, we want to be part of the laborers that's going to be collecting this harvest because harv- the harvest is coming. Yeah, John, maybe we can...